following message is from the 2022 Leader Summit in Louisville, Kentucky. For more information on Harbor Network, please visit www.harbornetwork.com. Several years ago, during a season of leadership transitions in our network, I helped to lead a team through what we called a values clarification exercise. Now, it's not that we didn't have values as a network. We actually, actually had a really compelling kind of oral culture that was attractive to many church planters, one of the reasons why we joined uh, Harbor Network in the first place. But we had never taken the time to formally articulate them and write them down. If you don't know much about our history, Harbor Network 1.0 was kind of punk rock. Uh, and so we rebelled against normal things, standard things like mission statements, values, and pretty much all organizational structure. Now that served us well, but as uh, Rich Plass, one of our mentors here at the network likes to say, what gets you here is not gonna get you there and it doesn't age well. Uh, and so as we begin to leave our adolescent years and move towards becoming what I'll just call a real adult uh, network, we felt it was important to clarify our vision, our values, or might, what you might call our family culture in order to better answer the question for both current churches and new churches. What kind of leaders, what kind of churches, what kind of people, what kind of disciples are we becoming? In the words of social psychologist, Brene Brown, clear is kind. And so we wanted to offer this as a kindness to those who are coming in about who we felt like God was calling us to become. So I pulled together a diverse team of Harbor Network leaders from around the country, board members, pastors, local church staff, men and women, from all different geographies. And we begin to ask this question, who is it that God has called us to be? What is it that makes our network unique? What kind of culture are we trying to cultivate within our leaders and churches? As we did that work over the course of several months, most of the values of our past were obvious and easy. But as we drilled down a little bit deeper, there was this cluster of seeming paradoxical characteristics that were clearly a part of our history but hard to coherently define and pull together into a phrase. On the one hand, we're a network that has always loved and valued truth, conviction, orthodoxy, theological principles, and order, moral order. But we also have this desire for beauty and for goodness and for narrative and creativity and imagination and curiosity and transcendence. We long for this vision of truth as a network that's more than just right information for us to recite or to defend, although those are important things to do. We long for a beautiful orthodoxy that captures our imagination, that stirs our souls, that transforms us at the deepest core of who we are and implants within us fresh horizons of possibility for the kingdom of God that shattered the impoverished secularized categories handed to us by our cultural moment. Our team brought conviction and imagination together. And once we landed on it, it was so clear, this is, this is who we are. We brought this together as a value and we brought it together in a kind of creative tension. Conviction is not something that we hold in our own power, but an imagination for a power outside of ourselves that holds us that invites us to hope, that invites us to pray, that invites us to work, that invites us toward a future that's already been brought forward into the present through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and will one day culminate in the fulfillment of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples as he launched his kingdom project. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This value is what we were reaching for in, our, in, our, in the past, and some of you weren't here when we created these, these artifacts, but with the creation of our North Star Theological Vision, uh, the retreats that we held where pastors literally stopped their ministry. We don't go on a retreat to plan like you do in your church and you call it a retreat and you go and you work. We don't do that here at Harper. We actually wanted to stop our ministry to enter into relational spaces with both silence and solitude on the one hand and beachside feast and low country boils on the other. This is what we're reaching for in collaborative projects, like you see here with music and with the arts, which have always been important to us. Conferences we hosted where poets and philosophers spoke side by side about the kingdom of God and stirred up our imagination with conviction. And now here we are gathered together to consider what it might look like to press deeper into being a network of conviction and imagination. Our hope in this time over the next several days is not to tell you how conviction and imagination come together in your life and ministry, but maybe to just rekindle a deep desire that they must come together in our lives and ministry if we're going to sustain hopefulness and fruitfulness in the midst of a cultural architecture that pushes us towards anxiety and cynicism and despair at every turn. Our cultural moment is deforming us with misguided convictions leading to a stunted imagination. We gather this week to pray and to ask God, the triune God, our God, to lead us into a fresh work of counterformation where we experience ancient truths in a way that transforms and gives birth to a new kingdom imagination for our time. I loved, uh, there was uh, an essay put out uh, a while back, an article by James Smith, and he was lamenting um, kind of innovation in the evangelical space, uh, an innovation that jettisoned tradition and truth and liturgy, and was just kind of like startup energy and entrepreneurialism. And he was kind of lamenting this and, and arguing that we need to combine, in this case, liturgy and imagination. We need to bring them together. And I love these words, and I think this is such a great vision and really gets at what we felt like as we brought this value together. He says this, in his essay, The Science of Design, Herbert Simon, one of the icons of design theory wrote, everyone designs who devises courses of action aimed at changing existing situations into preferred ones. If Simon is correct, Smith says, then the gospel, I would argue, is a design project and Christian worship, or you could sub in there truth or conviction, a design studio. The church's mission, to borrow from Simon, is to send out innovators and designers whose actions are aimed at changing existing situations into preferred ones. To do that work, innovators, restorers, makers, designers, pastors, ministry leaders, need the church to be an imagination station a space where we can rehabituate into our imagination what Leslie Newbigin called the true story of the world. Our imaginations need to be restored, need to be recalibrated, need to be realigned by being immersed in the story of God and Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's what we're after together this week is maybe just for some of us to plant some of those seeds to maybe bring back together things that we had kind of torn apart. Maybe some of us are people for whom it's easy to 
hold strong convictions, but we do so in a way that's rigid or, or lacks a sort of imagination, a sort of curiosity that's appropriate for those who, who know truth. It's like being a, a blues, I'm no artist myself. Uh, I'm thankful for Miles who leads worship at our church. He is our jazz aficionado, but you learn the scales, right? And then in blues, you can then begin to riff. Right? And so for some of us, we come in with maybe a rigidity and it's hard for us to riff. And we need to have our imagination stirred and be reminded that we are imagining beings. We are beings created as human in the image of God, a, a, an imaginative God who invites us to imagine a world, to inhabit a world that is formed and shaped by the contours of creation and new creation. Maybe for some of us, we are imaginative, but we struggle on the, the truth side, right? And so for us, we're creatives, but we don't know how to bring those things together with strong convictions and a sense of orthodoxy. So I just want to invite us as we uh, transition and we get to hear uh, from uh, one of our brilliant kind of poet philosophers here, Jonathan Pennington, in just a moment. I want to invite you just to kind of put your stuff down for a moment. And I just want to invite us into a space of prayer. And I realize that for many of us, we come into this conference um, tired, we come into this space exhausted. We come into this space hurt and disappointed and fearful and anxious and frustrated and lonely and sad. I, I don't know. Maybe you come in joyful and glad and happy. That's awesome. But I know for many of us, maybe that's not the space. And so whatever you're carrying into this place, I just wanna invite you to lift up your hands. Let's get into our bodies in prayer here before the Let's lift up our hands and let's invite the spirit of God the same spirit who hovered over the waters at creation, the spirit who hovered over the womb of Mary, the same spirit who in the future, in this eschatological vision of the new heavens and the new earth is creating and recreating and making all things new. That same spirit is here in us. As Augustine says, he is in us deeper than we are in ourselves. And so we exist and we live and move and have our being in the Trinitarian reality, the love of the father, the person and work of Jesus, our brother and our savior and the Holy Spirit here to convict, to guide, to sharpen, to empower, to enliven. So I wanna just invite us to take a deep breath together. Let's, let's imagine ourselves, locate ourselves in the presence of God. I want you to hear God saying to us, behold, I am making all things new. That is our current reality. That is our future. That is our past. We just want to pray, come Holy Spirit. Would you do a work in our hearts and our minds, our bodies, our lives. Give us a fresh vision this week. 